On today's episode of the Locked On Texan podcast, Kevin O'Connell has officially been interviewed by the Houston Texans. What will that mean? And we have Brandon K. Scott of Sports Radio 610. But first... You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course, your team every single day, Monday through Friday. And we will get started with Cody Davis, John Hickman. We are back to end off this week to talk to Houston Texans, of course. That's why you are here. That's why we do this show, right? Cody, Kevin O'Connell was finally interviewed. And here's the fun part about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> when the news was broke, ladies and gentlemen, one key part of of us understanding that he was interviewed was sometime this week. Uh-huh. It was Kevin O'Connell was interviewed sometime this week, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, and now Friday. So <laughs> we don't have the official date. However, a couple of things we need to know. We have two head coaching vacancies filled when we look at the Broncos and also the Bears. They fill their head coaching slots. Houston is one of the six remaining teams that need head coaches. They have yet to find, well, I, I guess at least announce a huge candidate, whether or not there's a likelihood of that getting signed. We know about what's going on with Jacksonville. But big news right now surrounding Houston is Kevin O'Connell got the interview sometime this week. Cody, how do you feel about that? I'm conflicted and I'm confused because every single candidate that has been interviewed by the Texans and across the whole NFL, they have made some type of announcement on social media. We have seen it. And I just don't understand one, when did Kevin have this interview and two, why didn't, didn't the Texans announce him? Like the whole situation is weird. Even when you take a look at, I think it was Ian Rappaport who first um, made the tweet, who made the announcement, it said sometime this week. So I'm like, was it like, like why be secret about this? Like who I did was, was it Kevin's idea to be secret about it? Because as we know, um, you know, the Rams, they are still in the playoffs right now. They played this weekend and they are in the NFC championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. And I, my first thought was, you know, maybe he did it secretly and he didn't want his team to know, but wasn't he like the finalist for the um the the job in Denver, if I'm not mistaken? And then they also announced him. I, so I do remember I, him being kind of hotter than other coaching candidates. Yeah. So and if I'm not mistaken, I think he had two interviews, and one of them for sure was with the Denver Broncos, and they announced him. I just don't understand why the Texans did not announce him like they did the rest. I mean. On the outside looking in, maybe it's not a big deal, but it's just weird that everybody across the NFL, including the Texans, they have made their announcements to all the coaches that they have interviewed. And this one time, and of course it had to be the Houston Texans, the one time that it doesn't happen, it's, you know, Kevin O'Connor, you know, one of the guys who a lot of people hoping do get the job. Um, I'm a little indifferent about it. Well, Nick Casario has stayed six feet, seven feet, 
<laughs> eight feet away from you know giving people any thought in his mind and i don't mm -hmm. think he has a g in his name but he has been moving real solid like the g in lasagna that's what we've come to expect with nick casario listen whatever this decision will be eventually or the route they will take it will come as sort of a surprise simply because we are not used to at least in the city of houston excuse me we're not used to a secretive man in charge i don't think so at least not to the one of this degree and nick casario mm -hmm. he's doing these things maybe he wants to play coy with any other candidates around the league uh, any other franchises that may have an eye on a, a head coach that the houston texas one as well um that's to be seen but at this time i you know i mentioned it earlier in the week where you know i'm on the media side of why this is frustrating Hey, give us a heads up. Let us know something so we can do our job accurately. I can't say if I'm a general manager, especially Nick Sirio's case. Well, how many of the reporters and media members have been doing their job accurately outside of just bashing my name and my decision? So <laughs> I can understand him, you know, using that, I guess, uh, way of thinking of keeping this really in-house and tight, especially considering where Houston was around this time last year. However, this is critical information to know, and I think this is information that needs to be known, not by a fly-by-night tweet, which we found out today. Let the people know that Kevin O'Connell had an interview today because it was your decision to interview him, so stand by it. Mm -hmm. You know, And I think that's fair. I think that's fair for the fans who you are working tirelessly, at least in their minds, to regain trust back in. None of this is trustworthy. None of this is trustworthy. And it also reminds me, we're talking about the YouTube comments today, of course, and it brings me to a comment that I think kind of fits of what we're talking about. David Garza said, we trust snakes and hope not to get bitten. Now, I'm not calling Nick Casario a snake by no means, but I will say that a lot of the decisions that we've seen in the past couple of weeks, when we go back to the offseason last year, has been very snakish. And if we're going off the one full year of Nick Casario's tenure so far, yeah, it's been it's been some of the fans, it's been some of the players, it's bitten this franchise to where now everybody's skeptical of the moves and the decisions that Nick Casario, as a second general, second year general manager, has been making. And I do want to add this really quick before moving on. This kind of reminds me of last year how they went about hiring David Cully. Because remember, Absolutely. we all was talking about uh, Matt Eberflus. We was all talking about Jim Caldwell. Who got the job? Yeah, who got, like we we was all talking about realistic candidates and you know the possibility of bringing Eric B into me. I mean, hell, we we all know the story. And then it was like we, we woke up and started hearing David Cully like around nine. Then around twelve, all of a sudden he was hired. Everybody was like, "What?" Like right. this kind of reminds me of this and. I mean, the only positive I could take out of this is if Nick Casario is using a surprise, this is actually our top candidate, at least this time around. It is actually somebody who will actually make just a little bit more sense. So, John, I don't I don't get it, but these are the Houston Texans for you. These are the Houston Texans, and I got to poke fun at the Jacksonville Jaguars just a little oh, bit. God. My boy, uh, wig over locked on Jaguars. <laughs> but it's kind of funny where we look at this situation with an owner who is in back-to-back -back years now endorsing a general manager who has made more than questionable decisions and mistakes and has gotten some wins, but it kind of balanced it off to maybe more losses than wins. Who knows? 
I'm not 100% in on what the Jaguars do, but as an owner, let's go above Nick Casario. As an owner, Cal, you've countless on countless times came out on the you know the few times we've talked to you in the media, said how you want to regain, regain the trust and everything is working the right way, so on and so forth. We'll continue to stand by that by making sure that these decisions don't backfire, at least on yourself, Cal McNair, because you're standing by Nick Casario. You're stamping the work that he does. And I think this is another case of, um, you know, just not being trustworthy to the fans, uh, the media. And I don't think they're really trustworthy to themselves. How, how much can you trust yourself if you're not bringing in higher quality guys? Yeah, the, the, that's the issue. So it's just it's it's just another crazy situation. Speaking of coaching searches, we look at the conversation that we had on uh, with, with you with the front runner. We talked about Jonathan Gannon early in the week. And X Razor mentioned on YouTube, it's simple. The Texans need to basically get more aggressive in their coaching search. I'm not too much worried about the Saints. I think it's still enough qualified candidates. They need to hire somebody they're going to stick with and get this franchise some stability with players that want to be here. That want to be here, excuse me. And I agree. Me too. Uh, you know, take your time. That's fine. But while you're taking your time, I would like Houston to do every due diligence. Don't leave any rock unturned, unturned over. Uh, open every door. Look through every option. That way, when it's all said and done, at the least, at the very least, <laughs> people can say, well, they tried to get it right. Compared to last year, when we look at David Cully, People say they had no clue how to get it right. Well, to that point, John, they took their time last year. And they was they actually didn't. the last team to, to, to make their head coaching hire. And they turned out with David Cully. And, and that is why, that's why with the Texans, I kind of feel like we are in a scary movie and we just don't know what's about to happen. Like we feel like we want to put our trust in this organization and the team personnel and, and trust and believe that they can get it right. Right. Especially after how bad the last 12 to 18 months has been for this organization. Basically ever since they blew that lead against the Kansas city chiefs, I say all that just to say they are now in a position where you know, given the talent that you lost, you look at Davis Mills, you look at Nico Collins, you look at Bourbon Jordan. We know all about the young talents that they have. Um, John Gennard, Roy Lopez. They actually have a foundation of young, talented prospects that, that, that can actually play play in the favor of this organization so they won't be at the bottom of the barrel so long. Yes, you already ruined things with Deshaun Watson, but whenever you trade him, nine times out of ten, you're going to get that big package that's going to boost your organization even further. You have people like Pep Hamilton and, and Lovey Smith already in place who has already done good things for this organization, given how bad the 2021 season is. So it's like you're looking at a situation where if they get the most qualified head coach out there, who is proven to take something and turn it into nothing, and of course develop young talents, they can actually be back into a res they could actually turn themselves into a respectable team yet again. But the fact that you went out and interviewed Josh McCown, the fact that you went out and interviewed two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, two seasons in a row. But the fact that you went out and interviewed Heinz Ward 
when we literally just went through this situation last year. That's the scary part about it. Just the Texans, just when you think everything's going to be okay, they're going to do something to make you say, what the hell? Well, this is the franchise that we cover. And, uh, you know, the viewers and the listeners love, uh, again, they just got to get it right. But I think the biggest, uh, the one I love the most from these YouTube comments, we trust snakes and hope not to get bitten. Mm-hmm. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the sports wagering action for 2022, a new year, and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports because Bet Online is where the game starts. Starts and also, like on Texan fans, I want to tell you about Get Upside. My listeners and myself and Cody were all making some extra cash back for every gallon of gas every time we fill up. So just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Don't treat yourself. Don't treat yourself. Treat yourself. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or SCORE for college for $0.25 cent per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Again, don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, continuing here with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. You know what it is. We got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, what's going on, man? Man, just living life, man, enjoying it, and glad to be back with y'all for another week, you know, trying to figure out what these Texans are going to do mm-hmm. with the future, with the next head coach, and, and so on and so forth. So, edge of, uh, you're at the edge of my seat, basically. <laughs> Brandon, let's jump right into it. Now, this week, we thought the Texans didn't interview nobody, but apparently they ended up interviewing a candidate in Kevin Kevin O'Connor. So Brandon, what are your thoughts about Kevin and what's been your whole take about the Houston Texans coaching search as of right now? Well, I'm glad to hear that they interviewed him because prior to Adam Schefter's report on Thursday, all of our understanding was just that they had requested an interview with the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, but there have been no follow-up or understanding as to whether he actually accepted the interview. And if, and if so, if an interview had been conducted. So now we know for sure that that did happen. Uh, I'm hearing that, that it happened uh, sometime late last week, maybe perhaps Friday, uh, last Friday is when this happened, which makes it even more odd that it would be just about a week before anybody would even hear about it um, <laughs> locally or nationally, I think is noteworthy. Um, but nevertheless, I, I'm glad to see it because I think that, you know, out of all of the candidates and, and mind you, we only have a small amount of candidates, which think of that what you will. But, you know, when you look at the candidates in, the, in its totality, you're looking at, you know, just five or six guys and two of those guys are josh mccown and heinz ward uh two people with either with with little to no coaching experience whatsoever so uh and, and none definitely none in the nfl obviously both of them played for a very very long time and are well respected in the league but 
uh, Kevin O'Connell, someone who comes from, you know, immediately comes from the, you know, the Sean McVay uh, coaching tree and, you know, is the offensive coordinator there. And so you like what he comes from. I think that the, the thing for me that has excited me the most about the head coaching search was the prospect of changing the offense, the possibility of changing the offense. Uh, John and I have discussed this before um, that more than anything, what I'd like to see, obviously you want a leader or, you know, some, something like that. The, all, all of the cliches that you talk about with a head coach, I want those. I'm, I buy into those. But more than anything, as far as how the team works or how the, the, the football product works, I, I'd like to see somebody come in here and change this offense and run an entirely different offense and see what that looks like. Um, I don't know what that exactly means for Davis Mills' development, um, certainly it's not ideal for him to have to change offenses after the progress that you saw from him at the end of the year. But I do feel like the offense could benefit from a drastic change, a, a seismic change. You fired your 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 offensive coordinator. Go all in. Like you, you fired your offensive coordinator and the head coach that brought him in before that. Like, go all in and change this thing up. I know you're if you're Nick Casario, you're tied to New England and and this some version of this offense is what you're most familiar with and what you've been running your whole career. And, and mind you, remember, Nick Serio has a, a coaching background. So I would imagine has some kind of connection to what they do uh, from an X's and O's standpoint. But like, I, I'd like to see a dramatic change. And I think that Kevin O'Connell, it, it would be an opportunity at least to do that. And does, does him getting hired perhaps even mean that that's what that would be? Not necessarily. Uh, but I like new ideas and, and a young mind coming in there, uh, somebody that's been somewhere else besides here or New England um, who can who can come with a different school of thought. You know, I also want to throw out Josh McCown, not Josh McCown, Josh McDaniels did get an interview requested from the uh, Raiders. Yes. He has that Nick Casario Patriot background connection there. And O'Connell, we do know, was drafted by Nick Casario. He was a part of that county scouting department that brought him in. But I want to talk directly to the state of the franchise. Five coaches in 20 years. Uh, you will be now on your third coach in three consecutive years. And we do know a bulk of that coaching time, aside from Dom Capers, was in between Gary Kubiak and Brian, little Brian. How do you feel about the franchise now in today's time, real time, compared to a year ago when Nick Casario embarked on his journey of being the Houston Texans general manager yeah so i think they're better off as a team i think you can say that as a matter of fact like just look at look at the facts and, and separate emotion and opinion from it for a second and just look at hey you know they've got a first round pick for the first time since 2019 um they have uh they've they've been spending a lot of money but they have somebody like they you feel like they have somebody that's more competent with the salary cap and with managing the money than you did maybe a year ago or certainly uh, just a little bit past a year ago when you didn't really know what uh, what Nick is. And, and mind you, Nick Asario's made some some curious moves on some deals that were restructured and maybe some moves that you would like to have back. But like I think that they're clearly better off financially and from a draft capital standpoint, just as, as a matter of fact, not an opinion. I'm not really sure how I, if, if I feel much differently about them as 
uh, as management and as leadership, like I think that the, you know, the jury is still out. Like Jack Easterby is is his own topic and somebody who um, failed in his role a long time ago. Um, but in his role currently now, I couldn't tell you if he's doing well or if he's doing poorly. I have no idea what he's evaluated by or exactly he seems like exactly just a guy what right he does. Now. Well, who know? I, I think he's more than just a guy, but but how he's evaluated is not something that I think they're going to necessarily ever be transparent with us about. So, as it pertains to the football team and Nick Casario, what I've said c- pretty consistently about him is that um, I think the best thing that he's that he's done since he's been here was the draft, um, and I think he took some swings and misses and, and, and took some swings and hit uh, on some on some free agents. I think he is a uh, at the very least, a decent uh, talent evaluator uh, talks about being well trained from New England. I'll give him that. Like he he comes from uh, a a solid background and seems to be about his business and have a, have an understanding for what he's doing. Um, even if I don't necessarily agree with every move, so like I'm not down necessarily. Like the the David Cully thing. I, I don't think I, I'll ever really fully understand. Um, and I think that Nick Casario d- should be held accountable for that probably more than I feel like he has been in certain places in, in the media. Um, but aside from that, I can't say that I'm really, I, I have to say that I feel better, you know, but uh, that that is still like one of those things where you're like, Okay, but there are some things that are still odd and weird about the place, about how things are run at the top. And I don't really fully know and understand all of it, you know, um, because and also because it's changed over time. Like, it's not the same way it was when Bill O'Brien is here, what what was here. But something's kind of going on there that just doesn't that that throws everybody off who kind of observes the league and then kind of peeks in on the Texans and try to tries to figure out like what's that what's their organizational structure their accountability structure uh Cal McNair I mean that's a name that I probably should have mentioned earlier in this little soliloquy I'm giving but I mean at the end of the day the owner is still the same the buck still stops uh, the buck still stops with Cal McNair and and he's somebody that is still yet to really prove himself as, as a CEO so I don't feel great about that, but the football team is certainly in a better place than it was a year ago. You know, here we are. Think about it like this, y'all. We got a draft coming up, and while there's no consensus generational talent, we're excited about either the prospect of drafting somebody number three overall or what it would mean to trade that pick and to get several first-round players, you know, on top of sort of this urgency to trade Deshaun Watson as well, and this feeling that if you can make that happen, you're looking at, you know, multiple first round picks this year and possibly in years to come after not having none for mm-hmm. two years. I do think that's a little bit more exciting than the actual <laughs> player Houston may bring in uh, for this year's draft. So we got more of Brandon K. Scott coming up, but it is a new year. That means New Year's resolutions, and if yours is about getting fit or just eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in your daily plan. Bill Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because they taste so good. You will want to eat it, not force, but want, unlike those other protein bars, which can be very chalky, waxy, and sometimes, let's be honest, 
they taste like a chemical spill, right? The thing about Bill Bar is they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Bill Bar contains 130 calories, 4 grams of sugars, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to those candy bars, which carries around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, uh, and a dozen of those net carbs. So, so you check this out. Go to Bill.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. Welcome back, Locked On Texans listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Be sure to check us out next week as I go to, to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. We'll bring you live coverage day-to-day about what's going on there, the prospects and positions Houston will be targeting the most in this year's draft. Now be sure to check out Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q with handicapping expert Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all major platforms. And as we continue with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, you guys hear it, you guys see it. We got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, you mentioned the name Deshaun Watson, man, and I got to ask you, it seems like every single week a new team is claiming that they do not want Deshaun Watson on their team. You know, I think it was two weeks ago we heard that same statement from the Miami Dolphins, which I still do not buy that. Um, I think the, the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they did not come out and say it, they did say that they are going to go into the season with Jalen Hurts as their number one quarterback, and I 100% agree with that because that young man has been balling. And then on yesterday we heard the New York Giants say the same exact thing. When you take a look at this whole Deshaun Watson situation, especially the market that is out there, what is your thoughts on that? And I also want to add this as well. Do you or do you not think it will be a stain on Nick Casario if he cannot trade or do not trade Deshaun Watson prior to the draft? Yeah, I think that that last question that you just asked is the most interesting one because I'm going to be honest with you, Cody. I, I don't have a great answer for you as far as whether like like we were doing a a twitter spaces the other day where i actually asked a similar question because we we were kind of leading into this conversation this similar conversation what we're having now and i and i just kind of threw out there like whose fault would that be if for whatever reason deshaun watson is still on this team come you know come summertime come training camp or whatever come you know otas after the post if Deshaun Watson is still on this team after the draft. Like, whose fault is that? Is that Nick Casario's for not being able to uh, to get the proper value within, you know, the the whatever kind of time frame there was? Is it is it true that the market that whatever market existed for Deshaun was was more so fool's gold because there were teams that were interested so long as. And, and then, of course, the the obvious, the the legal side of things. Like, if if that is not situated, if that doesn't work itself out, then you know that could be the thing to blame, to be the reason why this thing doesn't get done. So, like, I think there could be a number of reasons. And then, of course, well, I guess the part that I'm leaving out here is the Deshaun Watson no trade clause, um, which I, I have uh, a fascination with how that the the view on that. And the approach to that has changed over time uh, because I got to give them credit. It's an, it, it is a incredible and, and impressive flex to put in a no trade clause when the spirit of a no trade clause is for them to not be able to send you somewhere where you want to go. 
not necessarily a you, you normally weaponized to say, <laughs> hey, I won't I will only go where I say I will go. Um, and at the time when he signed that contract, um, maybe it seemed like he, he was the type of player and, and, and had the type of cachet where he could call that shot. And now you fast forward to where we are and all of the things that have happened. And, and and you look at he's missed an entire year of football. Look at that however you want to look at it, that he got paid to sit to sit out, which, you know, sounds kind of cool to get paid to do nothing. But, I mean, if he cares about being a football player, which I, I assume he does still care about football, then I think that 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 has to resonate with him. Like the fact that, hey, I did not play football last year. I did not participate i watched joe burrow go to the afc championship game instead of me you know i watched justin herbert take another step in his development i watched you know josh allen get anointed as a top five quarterback which is the way people were talking about me what what is going to now be two years ago two seasons ago since i missed the season so like i wonder I wonder where his mind is at and, and like how he views his own opportunities since he does have a say in all of this. And as far as the Texans are concerned, I think that they have the intention of doing the right thing. Like, I think we're all on their side when they say, and I know they haven't necessarily said this publicly, but when they give off the impression of we won't take less than what's we consider to be fair value for Deshaun Watson, we won't give them away for nothing. And we're going to be strategic about how we approach this. I think we all support that. Um, as people who want what's best for for the team um and so um if it bite them in the tail for trying to do that um because of all these other extenuating circumstances i mean i guess you kind of got to charge it to the game but i don't think that there is a more important thing that needs to get done in all of houston sports much less for the texans but in in this entire city as far as uh sports are concerned and then and making sure that you get the right return on investment on that since uh, since it didn't work out uh, with him being a player here. And Brandon, and this is where I'm like really conflicted about this whole Deshaun Watson. And I'm, I'm very intrigued on whether or not, and it is a possibility because Nick Casario is hell bent on if he trades this young man, he's going to get the value that he is worth on the field and he should. But to your point, if Deshaun is still on this damn roster, come the start of OTAs or, or come, God forbid, come the start of training camp, there has to be a gray area in the possibility of him coming back because you know he misses the game. His contract extension kicks in. But look, his contract extension kicks in and he's going to be making, what, 35 cap hit of 40 million? Next year, you know the Texans don't want to pay him to that much money to do absolutely nothing again. Like, if he is still on this roster, then his or his people, because I do believe his people put him in the wrong situation to begin with, his people, the Texans and Deshaun Watson himself, they're going to have to try to come together and see what is the next step. If he is still on this roster, come to start an OTAs or training camp. Brandon, before you jump in, I would like to say this. I think there is a small light, very small light at the end of the tunnel. <clears throat> and we just saw Nathaniel Hackett go to Denver. There's a small light. If Aaron Rodgers decides to not go to Denver, 
Denver is a quarterback-ready team. Maybe they would be uh, a destination after the draft when they kind of settle everything and they can move forward. They have some great picks this year. I just want to throw it out there because I'm with Cody, and I'm sure you're on the same page. There's no way that he's not either getting a force to play if he's on this roster because they can't find a deal, or B, he's getting fined heavily, which he did not get this past offseason, this past season period. And he got those legal fees, so it's not like he could pay those fines like Ben Simmons in Philly right now. <laughs> so my thing is like, let's let's just go with y'all's theory with with the logic that y'all are going with right now. What would have prevented them from playing? Like, if they're going to take a hardball approach of, all right, man, now, and I understand that the difference now is salary, the amount of money that's being paid, but I don't get the sense that they are really hung up on money as much as we are as fans and media and observers. I don't get the like, they just threw $10.5 million down the toilet or, or, pay, or paid a guy to basically be a trade asset. So, or, or paid for the right to to trade for three first round picks or whatever it is. So like I don't really get the sense that they're interested in really playing hardball in this situation because they could have just done that already. And so, and so that 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 I guess is the part that um, I'm struggling with. Like what is preventing them? What prevented them from actually already taking that approach? And then at the same time, I think that what you'll be looking at, what'll be different this year if he were to, like this hypothetical, if he were to still be on the roster when the season starts and doing the whole on the 53 man, but inactive every game thing. I think what changes from that situation from last year, from 2021 to 2022 is that there was less of an urgency at the trade deadline last year to trade him because it made more sense to wait until you found out who what draft cap like what draft position and was what at the end of the season and there was just no real rush to do it i feel like there would be much of an urgency to go ahead and get it done at this point sort of regardless of what draft position it is and honestly listening to nick casario like i know like we can just do the like math is math you know the, the number three pick is better than the number 27 pick obviously but I'm not so sure that he would even be hung up on that if it came down to it at that point. If, you know, if it was the right suitor, if it was, if it could put an end to this uh, once and for all, and he feel good about whatever the return is, like I could see this thing playing out into the season and up and up until the trade deadline. And essentially there being more of an urgency to get it done by the trade deadline than there was say last year. Now we are in, the the darkest like the 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 darkest pockets and corners of scenarios for the Texans that Deshaun Watson does not get this thing figured out by the end of the spring you know by spring and by the draft and John Moore maybe singing a different tune maybe the Dolphins still want him Carolina you were you were throwing out I think Cody you were throwing out a I, I threw out Philly. Um, out Philly and Denver. Mm. Uh, so, so like Philly is one place where it's been said that he wouldn't go. Um, so I, I don't I know where they, I don't know where they factor into the mix. But it's always been said that he has no interest in Philly whatsoever. Uh, so I kind of killed that idea a long time ago. But Denver and Carolina are the ones that I'm really looking at. Obviously, I feel like Miami remains a possibility no matter who's over there coaching. I don't think he cares who the coach is or 
you know, like I, I think he cares a little bit about about ownership. I think it would be hypocritical. I'll say this. I think it would be hypocritical of Deshaun to approve a trade to a place with disregard to the ownership and the leadership hmm. at said organization. Hmm. Like, I think that's the number one thing that he needs to at least appear to be aligned with ownership and management. Right. Because that's the thing. That's what he got sideways with over here, talking about there ain't no foundation and they needed a culture shift and they needed a leader and they needed somebody who didn't think that they had all this power that they supposedly didn't have. And then you fast forward a year later and Charles Amenehue was talking about just people that's <laughs> power hungry and got egos and Bobo and it's a clown show or circus or whatever he called it, like all of that. You know, he need to be up front, up front about that's what he's going to. Um, but at the same time, you got to feel like he's also got to, uh, you know, eat a little bit of humble pie and go to the place that wants him as well. You know, like it's 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 it's. I don't think that there's not going to be a demand for Deshaun Watson because he's a great quarterback. But when you come with a little bit of baggage and there are other great quarterbacks out there, um, you're not, uh, you know, a young pup anymore. You know, you've played four seasons and sat out on another, uh, another. So this would this would be your sixth season now. It's like you're not a kid anymore. You know, so like we we view Deshaun because we've been here from the beginning and even before Deshaun, obviously, as like this young quarterback, this young guy. And he is that. But he ain't no baby. He ain't no pup, you know. And so I don't know if people want to come in, want to want to bring in a, a veteran with all of this baggage you know of sexual assault allegations what's his focus on football like if there's any bit of that like if, if there's any bit of that of skepticism from ownership then that they're not for the sean that's that's not for him you don't need to go there you need to go somewhere where they believe in you right or wrong where they believe in you uh and whatever that needs to be redeemed if there's anything that needs to redeem they believe it in second chances and and they actually are obviously believing you as a football player and that you can take them to where they're trying to go. Before we get out of here, I just thought of this conspiracy. You guys don't have to respond to it. I just, you know, I do this. What if the Steelers, who need a quarterback, mm-hmm. they trade or make a deal with Atlanta for Matt Ryan, who clearly still has some time left in him. They already have a receiving core and a defense for Matt Ryan and a run game. And Atlanta stuck needing a quarterback. Does Atlanta throw their name in the mix because he's from Georgia? That's if he wants to go. That's that's twists and turns to all Who of this. Would not like to go home. Either they wants to want to go, or they don't want to deal with his off-field legal issues, or the Texans can't get enough. It's just the same three issues once again. I think it. And Atlanta not- sucks. He'd be Whoa. better off staying here throwing the ball to Nico <laughs> and Brevin. <laughs> that's probably the best point like i like you go over there you go you got cordell patterson and, and kyle pitts and what else um like i feel that but look i'll say this that there are a lot of possibilities for uh like i i feel like there are endless possibilities for like different um scenarios like that like we, i mean we never whoever saw the matt stafford jared golf trade coming right like hmm. would you would you have predicted that at any point before it happened 
you know so i think you gotta lay out all kind of possibilities on the point about atlanta the thing that i just don't really necessarily know enough about i could read up on this but like i do know that matt ryan and arthur arthur blank the owner up there have a really tight relationship and so i think it does matter of like does matt ryan is, is he a, a falcon's lifer is he ride or die does he like never want to leave there and want to see it through feel like he can play until he's 40 something or whatever and does Arthur Blank kind of see it the same way? Like, like I, I'm making that point because Arthur Blank had an opportunity to move on from Matt Ryan, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think we could all, as much as as good as we are, I probably think Kyle Pitts is gonna be. Um, you uh, That's you might have missed you, you might have missed your mark there. It, it, it was time you saw what everybody <laughs> else is doing. If and I look, I know Matt Ryan's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but if you saw what your old offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan was doing over there in San Francisco, seeing that, seeing the writing on the wall, like, hey, this Jimmy G's thing's got a ceiling on it. Uh, I need to get me the next guy. Him doing that, like, <laughs> like, look around you, man. Uh, the, the the Bears trading up to get Justin Fields because you know the Mr. Bisky thing wasn't working out, um, and and they assigned Andy Dalton. You know what I mean? Like, like you, Matt Ryan's better than those guys. I get that, but you see the people, your contemporaries around you, uh, making those contingency plans and figuring out what to do with quarterback, uh, and not just kind of relying on the dude that's been there just because he's been there. Like, it's time to make a move. So, well, but I, I do think that that Carolina, Denver, some combination of Miami, Carolina, and Denver got to be the the top uh, places to watch out for if you were either betting or just like just expecting where expecting him to go somewhere well maybe Deshaun is still talking to James Harden and Harden is like look please go to a destination you want to go to because it seems like Harden is now regretting leaving the city of Houston but this is it this isn't locked on Rockets check out our guy JT Gallon over at locked on Rockets but uh maybe maybe (laughs) maybe maybe that's why he's being so picky but uh Brandon K Scott from Sports Radio 16 (laughs) Brandon really quick where can our listeners follow you at on social media yeah, so I am at Brandon K Scott on Twitter. I am at B Scott from Hiram Clark on uh, on Instagram. But I encourage y'all also to listen to the B Block podcast. Just had Absolutely. my man John Hickman on early in the week, so if y'all want to check out that feed, I'm gonna have Cody on very soon in co- in the coming weeks uh, because he is also family on the show. So if you like this show, uh, you know, on a normal day and especially on the days when I'm on. Uh, expect for for my show to be of sort of a similar vein you'll like it as well so uh check that out i got i got normal publishing dates as well too now i'm on tuesdays and fridays now um Mm. so uh so basically right after you listen to locked on texans or watch it on youtube then then you just go and check out the b block as well because there'll be something else there that you'll be able to gather or or vice versa however it works just make sure that you check them both out um on friday so yeah man People so the B Block Podcast on, on on wherever you get your podcast, the B Block Podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. I'm waiting for that Big Sarge episode for tomorrow or well, later today, right? Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, but hopefully by the time y'all hear this and see this, it'll be out there. So if you haven't seen that yet, go check it out. <laughs> 
All right. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Check me out on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. But more importantly, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to the YouTube page as well. We'll be back next week. Don't fake the funk over the weekend. Be safe. We love you, Houston. Peace.